Hey, what's going on, Laz? Hey, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, man. Um, well, first and foremost, welcome to the Garage Billionaire Podcast. That's first and foremost. Um, again, thanks for you know taking the time out to to, to sit down with us. Uh, just kind of going over it again. Um, you know, with the Garage Billionaire Podcast, what we try to do is get people like you um, that are very successful, get your story, and we're trying to, you know, give it to the people to show them that, you know, they could actually, um, you know, get a certain success level, um, if you want to call it that, because the idea is with the Garage Billionaire, you know, there's a lot of people that started in the garage. Well, let me not say a lot of people, but the main people we know, like the, um, the the Gates and the the uh, the the Apple guy and all of those folks, and they started right in the garage. So that's basically the concept of you know getting getting started from the bottom and making it to the top. And with you, you know, um, I hear your story and. It sounds like you basically came from the bottom, and now you're at the top, and we 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 just want to talk about that today. Oh, cool! I, I like that concept. You know, I didn't understand the the name until you told me. But yeah, a lot of those companies, you know, even Berkshire Hathaway, they all <laughs> they were right. all started and, uh, in the garage. So that's actually a great concept. Thank you, thank you. Now. Um, let me ask you this real quick, um, just for editing purposes, is it is it possible you could flip your phone horizontally? Let's try that. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Hold on. Let me see. Let me see if I, I'm going to log in on the on another device. Just uh, just I want to see what the camera is looking like on this device. So which that way you get better video. Let me see. Here. This camera tends to be a little grainy, so let's see how it sure no problem. I prefer the phone camera because it's just much more clear. Let me in. Let me in on this. I just, uh, there we are. Let's see which one we like better. Recording. That's fine. That's fine. That's perfect. Well, pretty good. We're here in Tampa. Came to check some of my units here that we have. And, and right after this, I'm, I'm going to go see uh, uh, a project, uh, a unit that we bought. And just doing a walkthrough after that. Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. All right, well, let's, I mean, let's get to it. Let's get started. Again, you know, I basically broke down the concept. And as you can see, I'm I'm in the garage. so. You know, just trying to keep keep the whole idea. Now, um, let's talk about where you are from, uh, Laz. Uh, where where where'd you grow up? Well, I'm originally from Cuba, but I, I grew up in Miami. I saw that you're from Miami as well. Is that correct? Yes, yes, I'm in Miami. Yeah, I, I grew up in Little Havana. You know, <laughs> just. Uh, uh, like a lot of the kids like me, I mean, not a lot of, not a lot of opportunity there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, tough, you know, I grew up in little Haiti, so not too far from you. And again, not a lot of opportunity back then, but now, as you can see, all of those areas, they're, they're, they're changing, man. And, you know, that was prime real estate. And unfortunately, at least I could say for little Haiti, um, they didn't know that, 
or, you know, they weren't there. And unfortunately, all of that stuff is is being forcefully taken over. And and it's sad, man. But yeah, as far as opportunity, we we came from where there wasn't much unless you, you know, you push out you you know, you push out from everything that's around you. Now, um Again, you know, you said uh, not much opportunity. How was your upbringing as far as, um, you know, growing up and, you know, how you became the person that you are today in terms of your influences? What gave you the uh, entrepreneurial influence or spirit to lead you to where you're at today? Well, I, I just, I knew I didn't want to be there. I mean, I saw my environment. I saw most of my friends, I mean, growing up, you know, they're, they're right now, they're either dead or in jail. So, wow. yeah, you know, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't want that. So I, I started early on, you know, kind of trying to figure out a, what I would do, you know, you know, trying this business or that business. And I got lucky that early on, I, 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 I actually had a talent for something, which was sales. And I started working uh, in the car business. And, and uh, eventually I got recruited to work for, for Rolls Royce and BMW. Wow. You know, as, a, as a young, like a really young guy in my early 20s. And, you know, obviously that, you know, coming from where I came from and getting that type of exposure that young, it, it, it changes everything. And I was, a, I was lucky enough that I had, first of all, I was highly trainable. Like most people, like that, that's actually one of the main things that holds people back is that they're just not trainable or they, even if they don't know anything, they think they do. And then it just, they, they can never learn that new skill. When I started uh, in sales, I was just a highly trainable person. So and like I would like listen and absorb and uh, follow those directions. And I became a, a really good uh, salesperson and presenter. So, uh, okay. And it led me to, to, you know, by the time I was 20, 24, I was making $300,000, $400,000 a year uh, in, in the car business. <laughs> wow. So, wow. You know, so it that type of opportunity definitely uh you know there's always some luck aspect but you, you you have to be present to be able to get that type of opportunity uh and i thought i was made i mean who wouldn't i mean if you if you came from where i came from and all of a sudden you you know you're, you're making that kind of money making more than you know, a lawyer or a doctor yeah <laughs> and, and uh you know I, living in a nice place and driving nice cars. All those things are nice things. Um, and, but over time, I mean, it, I got, I got like, like a lot of people, I guess, I started like looking around and thinking about, as I got a little older, what happens next? You know, what, what happens when, when I'm 50 or 60 years old? And, you know, and all the, the guys that worked with me, I could see what they were at. They were divorced two or three times. And, they weren't really happy, even though they had some some stability when it comes to material possessions. So I I started like seeking out and reading books and things like that. And uh, one of the books that I ended up reading was the Four Hour Work Week. I don't know if you ever read the Four Hour Work Week. No, I haven't. I've heard a lot about it. The reading thing is just like I'm moving around so much. It's like I try to read, and then when I actually sit. Or usually in bed, I grab the book, and then before you know it, I'm gone. Get yourself so an audio book yeah. or, or listen to it on YouTube. Okay. But uh, that that book, I, I took up that book. I took uh, Who Moves My Cheese was, was another one, and The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm. Those three books, I started reading them, and all of a sudden, like especially the four-hour work week, I, I started thinking, you know, what's the worst that could happen if I quit my job, you know, <laughs> and right. then start something else. And uh, little by little, that's what I ended up doing. I just, one day I just didn't go to work anymore. And I decided to start this. Uh, that's why my name is Brickle Cigars. Uh, I started a, a cigar company and that was, that was a life lesson. I, I lost uh, everything, like uh, everything that I had worked to, 
for, to that point, I lost. Like all my cars got repossessed. I wound up uh, getting evicted from my house. Mm-hmm. Every, every bad thing that you could think could happen, happened. Uh, but uh, it led me to meet somebody that, that showed me about this business that, that I'm currently doing, that I've been doing for the last seven years. So, uh, you know, where I was just in my cigar shop and this one, one guy who's kind of like my only customer pretty much that's why we didn't make much money there uh he was hanging out and he was actually kind of relocating to miami and he, he we became friends and he uh he realized i had my real estate license so i told him yeah we, no, let's try to find something and you're from little haiti so that's where I, I knew there was good opportunity there so i told him well probably like little Haiti, i because i just so you know i was like one of the first residents in, in midtown when there was nothing there. So I kind of understood that community pretty well. And he didn't. And I told him, look, this like little Haiti bordering like 54th street. And that that's real cheap right now, but that house is going to be worth probably a million dollars. <laughs> so, yeah. and, it, and that's what wound up happening. So we found this house on 54th street. It was actually a duplex uh, off market. And there was tenants in there and, you know, it was the back then that was a bad neighborhood. And I, I tried to kind of talk him out of the deal when I saw the tenants were so bad, because I figured he was trying to do it as some kind of like rental income uh, thing. And like, just to get the property, we're paying the existing tenant, I think $5,000 to move out because <laughs> they hadn't paid rent in like a year or two. So it, it, it was, I was like, you know, what are you going to do here? And he, that's when he told me, well, I'm going to do this Airbnb thing. And I had never heard of it. And he, he explained it to me. And I'm like, wow, that, that, that seems pretty interesting. And it, it kind of like stayed there. We worked the deal. And I started doing a little research. Um, and he finally closed on that on that property. And it, he, he made it real nice. And all of a sudden, I saw that he was, you know, he was doing this Airbnb thing. And he was getting guests through there. Uh, and I'm like, well, you know, I, I, at that point I was actually, we were kind of staying at a friend's spare bedroom. We had no place to stay. And I said, well, maybe I could find something in little Haiti as well. My credit's jacked up. So maybe I could rent something. And I wound up, uh, finding this house on 43rd street that, uh, kind of fit the same scenario as like his house. It was a, a house with another house on the same lot. And it, and it kind of worked out the same way. I ended up renting it and putting it on the platform and immediately it generated enough cash flow for the house to be free, which was like a dream come true for me at that point when I was like- Wow. Yeah, so, so you started Airbnb seven years ago. Yeah, there was no, there was hardly anybody doing it. I remember when he told me about that, I, uh, I read this article. I talk about it sometimes. And- it was a guy in New York because he was one of the very early adapters. And this one person actually controlled 80% of all the Airbnbs in New York. And he was doing kind of the same thing. Like he was like renting houses and I didn't understand. And I was like, wow, how does this one person rent more than like one or two houses? So, and I'm like, and because he was making millions, he was on Forbes at that point. And he, and like, he was making so much money that I think the, the, the New York state attorneys, like they came after him and to stop him because they, 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 you know, he was making too much money for their, for their taste. <laughs> That's crazy. It's like, you can't even make money legally in America without having issues. It, it's, it, it's ridiculous. Like, how do you do that in a legal business? But yeah, seven years ago, I couldn't even imagine like, like, I mean, you know, I'm familiar with Airbnb now, but I'm thinking seven years ago, I I, I haven't even heard about it or thought of, thought of the uh, thought of the concept um, back then. But you was already on it like early, and that's the thing with early adapters. It's like you got to get on when nobody's on, and then you're on top when everybody's trying to catch up. So, um, wow, that's interesting. Um, so you started in the car business, um, which I know is tough too. So, you know, like, again, you know, I was, uh, reading your story. So you, 
sounds like you started off pretty good, at least, you know, in your early 20s. But then again, you said you lost all of it. Um, well, imagine like uh, that was that job, just so you know, uh, nobody quits. Uh, everybody either dies or retires. And the reason I got my job is just, I think somebody had passed away. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it's a life like the commitment the company is giving you is kind of like a lifelong commitment. Mm -hmm. uh, the training is is really extensive, especially to learn some of those type of vehicles. And not only the vehicles, but the clients. Uh, like when so when you somebody spends a million dollars with you, uh, that client is yours, you know, so they don't want, there's no like uh, switching between uh, client advisors. These, these customers, they want to stick with the same person uh, because they're, they're just older rich guys, you know, once they find somebody that they like, and that's one of the reasons why they wanted me because there were a lot more Hispanic rich people that were buying cars there and they felt more comfortable with somebody Hispanic and, you know, I, I was able to develop like some relationships with some of these wealthier people and like I have, I have a huge book of business is what I had uh, with bankers and, and executives and stuff like that. And, you know, some months I would sell 40 cars without even, I would never have, like have to do much. Just, you know, they were, they were already just repeat business and, and in that type of sales environment, it's not like what you would think about like a normal car dealership, a bunch of guys standing at the door. Uh, you know, we everything was, I only dealt an appointment only. And, and again, it's easy to get really comfortable in that position. Yeah, and I could imagine in those cars, you know, I could tell you, I'm sure they sell them, themselves. Nobody walks into a Rolls Royce dealer, you know, kicking the tires like... Uh, you know, asking for price and things like that. So that customer already knows what they want. Opposed to me, um, you know, I started at a Dodge dealership and, you know, I got in and... I started, my first car business job was at a Chrysler Jeep store. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like when I got there, um, the, the, the sales manager, you know, he took a liking to me. He was like, you know, you're going to go far in this business. But he was like, also, you have to, and I was real young too. And he was like, you know, I hope you don't have a wife. I hope you don't have, you know, family or whatever yet, or if any, because this job basically consumes your life. And that's really what it was. It was like, you know, you get in and you're there all day and you're hustling and bustling and you see all the guys, everybody's at the door smoking and everybody just looks stressed out. And as a younger kid, I'm like, you know, I got in there, you know, I was making some sales, but I was like, yo, this is not for me because I could see the wear and tear like immediately, you know. And now if I was at a Rolls Royce dealer, that's different. And that was kind of my idea, but I had to get there, which I didn't. Um, unfortunately, and like with you, the benefits to that, like, shoots, I'll do that now just to build your book of business because the type of clients that you're getting into that environment, you know, that's lifelong business and that can take you far beyond the dealership, you know, so. It, it can, you, you do develop some connections, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but even that job, you know, it's, it's still the car business. It still has the same politics and, uh, and you, again, you saw it, like those people that have been there a long time, that's your future. <laughs> that's your future. That guy smoking cigarettes, that guy stressed out, that guy that had a heart attack on the lot, that's your future. That's who you're going to be. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't for me. That, you don't want that. And I mean, I, I imagine I sold cars almost for 20 years. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, like I, I started in my early 20s. I quit my job when I was 36. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So that's a, you know, a whole lifetime of doing. So were you already doing Airbnb in between the job or after? So basically after the job, then the Brickle Cigars and then Airbnb. Yes. Like I, I ended up starting Airbnb while I had the cigar business. Mm -hmm. I thought, because 
now, like, imagine I got something, I, I said, I have this thing now that I can live for free. That's like, that was my, like, that was first uh, priority. So I had like now a house that I didn't own, but it was paying me rent. And so now I figured, you know, I have enough time. Cause I was trying to, I figured a business like that, I just needed time is what I thought back then. And I said, now, now that I don't have to pay rent, I could keep this cigar thing going longer enough time for that place to like flourish, uh, which it didn't, but the, the Airbnb business did. So uh, once I got that first property, what ended up happening is I was like, well, I wonder if I could get more. And I heard about that guy. He had all these properties and I'm like, well, let's see what happens. And wouldn't you know it? There was a, uh, a for rent sign on the house right next door to mine. Uh, pretty much like a month for a month and a half after I moved in. And I, I didn't have any money, but I still called, I, you know, like, that's the thing I tell people, you know, you, you wouldn't be, you, even if you don't have the money, call. Maybe like, there's something you could work out with that person, or right. maybe like you. Right? I don't know. But this guy, I ended up calling him, and the thing that we had in common was really that he was really into cars and BMWs specifically. So we started talking about you know BMWs and all this stuff on the phone, and he ended up just coming down to meet me. He was in, he was actually a South African guy. He was he was still here during that moment, and he said, oh, "I'm coming down." And, and the house was already rented to somebody else at that moment, but he still came down to meet me. And we talk, I talked to him about the Airbnb business and you know what I was planning on doing and what we were doing on the house right next door to his. And you know, I told him if the house becomes available because he was at that house, he was actually renting it the main house as one rental and the back house as as one rental is the house that I had rented was just, they were renting everything together. So he wound up having two separate tenants and, you know, we talked about it and we kind of got friendly and about a week and a half later, he just called me and told me that the tenant in the back kind of flaked out on him. And he, if I was still interested in getting that piece of property and, you know, I told him, I still don't have the cash. I haven't got enough cash together. And he, he basically, you know, he threw me a bone. He told me, you think you could put it together if you get some rentals in, <laughs> you know? So I'll give you a little time so you could, you know, come up with the cash. And I said, yeah, we could do that. I could, uh, you know, he said, well, I'll send somebody to give you the keys right now. And I had the keys, I furnished. And right away, again, I was able to rent it on Airbnb right away and uh, generate more cash flow for myself. And, and that's the way it happened. Like, uh, that's why I tell a lot of people, uh, See, if I was scared and I didn't make that phone call, I would have never made that connection. And that guy turned out to be a great uh, help because he's a major real estate investor who has like 50 or 100 uh, properties in that same neighborhood. Wow. So he was able to help me grow my business because then he gave me other properties as, as we became like uh, entangled, our businesses became kind of entangled because he saw that I paid the rent on time and most of his tenants didn't. And I never bothered him with maintenance. That's another thing I tell people that want to get into this business. Like if you offer the person something, it has to be worth it for them. They could rent the house to just anybody. But if you tell them, look, I'll take care of the maintenance for you. And look, I'm invested in your house too now because I'm making money. So I'm going to take really good care of it. And he saw that like his house all of a sudden was immaculate freshly painted all the time, uh, nice plants and stuff. So he was like, well, this is good for my real estate portfolio because people right. drive by and the place looks good. And this guy never calls me for, for any maintenance. So I wasn't a handyman, but I learned. I learned how to fix air conditioners. I, 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 I taught myself as much stuff as I could so I could be a, an asset to those landlords. Right. And uh, he wound up giving me more and more property. And once I had a few properties... Now I can use that portfolio as like uh, something I can show to another landlord. Like, hey, look, I'm already, I already have five houses in the neighborhood. Do you want to join my program where you don't have to do any maintenance on your house? Let me show you how this house looks. Mm. So you can see, and your house looks like beat up right now, but we'll come in and we'll spray wash it and put some plants and stuff. And now you're going to have a nice house. Your bills are going to be paid on time. <laughs> and, you know, it's like shooting fish in a barrel when you do it like that.
Wow, yeah. So it sounds like you formulated that pitch into basically, um, you know, a, a concept that'll be beneficial for the landlord as opposed to you asking him for something. It's almost like, hey, this is what you get when you deal with me. So, um, yeah, and considering, you know, the tenants uh, really, you know, screw up these people property so you find someone that's going to take care of your property you know that's a plus now that person becomes really valuable yeah definitely now let me ask you this um are you nowadays are you renting or buying your units and what do you feel about buying a unit for airbnb purposes well i'm starting to buy a whole bunch of units for airbnb purposes Mm. and that's what I'm, that's kind of like the next stage of what I'm, I'm teaching my students as I'm evolving myself, uh, because I went from those little houses like that to then I use the same pitch, but at a bigger scale to rent entire apartment buildings instead. And so I have several like entire apartment buildings that I, that I rent and that's given me some cash flow that now allows me to buy real estate. And, you know, that's, that's a good segue for somebody. Let's say they want to start this business and they, they get a little cash flow that helps them now have the, the, the documentation. It, you know, also helps them build their credit or whatever. And now they could go in and buy some real estate and uh, get some long-term wealth. Uh, use that, that faux asset that we had, which uh, the faux asset would be somebody else's real estate that you're, uh, uh, profiting and use the, that uh, income stream to own something where now you, you're doing both. You have some, some arbitrage here and now over here you have a, a stream of units where you're buying them yourself and you're not, you know, you're not paying a landlord. So you're taking, you know, best of both worlds. And I, I think it's one of the smartest things to do. Uh, you know, this market's a little rough because prices are, are, are high right now. Uh, but you could still find stuff uh, like we're 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 looking we're doing a project in, in uh, Costa Rica where we, we we bought some land and we're going to develop it uh, and you could do that if you have a little cash flow coming in <laughs> because you have these units it's not that expensive to put something like that together I mean okay. a little down payment for some land you know ten grand or something. And then you, over a year or two, uh, you know, you develop the land and all of a sudden you got yourself something really special. Uh, that's, another, that's the other thing, you know, the, everybody wants instant gratification, but sometimes, uh, well, all the time stuff just doesn't happen that way. Right, right. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, that, that was kind of my downfall for a long time, you know, not willing to wait, you know, and jumping from thing to thing and not letting it flourish. Now, um, like you said, it is a tough market, tough real estate market right now. Um, where, where are some of the places that you uh, invest, or I would say, you know, uh, either rent or purchase for Airbnb purposes? I'm in Tampa right now. Tampa still, uh, it's getting expensive, but it, you know, you, ha- you have to follow the markets. You know, if you think this is a uh, a business that you want to pursue, Miami, you know, there's still there's still people doing well there, uh, but you you have a lot more competition. You gotta you know gotta compete with guys like me. So, yeah. Uh, but you, I bet you, if I if I really had to in Miami, I could find some individual landlords that will let me like rent their houses as long as I take good care of them, and. That that's where I would start. Like I, wherever you are in the country, I would first start around where I am, or in my own house, and figure out a way to make some money uh, from that real estate. Uh, you know, I always train everybody. Try to get to the point where you live for free. So if you have a house, figure out a way to set it up where that house pays you, and then use that in. You know, now you're not have that expense of a household expense. So that gives you a little free cash flow to then get more property okay okay um and shameless plug um i am a a realtor in you know south florida so if you ever need any business or help 
with anything. You know, I'm sure you got a lot of people, but that's a shameless plug. But anyway. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. You know, and, uh, I'm no longer a realtor. I, I, I just, uh, I can't represent myself. So uh, I, I found, and maybe you could be one of them. I found realtors that I, that what I just told you, that, that pitch, I, I taught them how to be deadly with that pitch uh, against landlords. And then, hey, I have a great client and we use, we use the portfolio against the landlord. Like now you can show what I have, the same thing I did in the beginning, but now on a bigger scale. And you, and then you become my front man. Like that's what my realtors are. And you get to make a lot of money. You make all the phone calls for me. So, uh, and I just pick the deal that I like. Okay, I like that deal. And talk to them. And basically, uh, all I have to do in the end is just sign sign the lease. <laughs> so, so now, l- let me ask you with that pitch. Is that something that's in your course? Is that what you teach in your course? And also, um, let's say, for instance, that proof of concept. Um, is do your students have access to, you know, that portfolio or at least something to show like, hey, I'm connected with, you know, Laz, the biggest guy in South Florida doing this or wherever. Um, is that part of your uh, program? That actually is. Like, that's how come have you seen a lot of my mentees have, have grown big portfolios fairly quickly mm-hmm. because they're coming in and, if a landlord has a question, if they're not uh, a strong salesperson, but they could always fall on me and I could talk to that landlord and, hey, we're, this is my partner. Uh, he's actually, I'm in Miami, but he's in Ohio and he's, uh, we're looking to expand our business over there. <laughs> and all of a sudden that conversation becomes a lot easier. Mm. And it, it worked like that in North Carolina too and a couple other markets where uh, the people you know, they, they asked some questions and the students were able to uh, fall back on me. And a lot of them, you know, just tell them, look, hey, yeah, this is my partner. My, and I am their partner. They're my mentees. So, yeah. uh, and for the most part, that's enough for them. Uh, that's where our success rate is so high because uh, I help. As, and if you, even the people that are just doing the course without the mentorship, mm-hmm they get all the information. So it's, it's fairly easy to then present that uh, accurately to a landlord as long as you, you prepare yourself. You don't want to just show up there and you know, you're bringing no value. Or, you, know, like you show up, give me your house so I can make money. You know that? Right. Who's going to give you that? Nobody. <laughs> right, right, but, right. But if you, okay. if you research, it makes it easy. Now, let me, let, let me ask you this. Uh, what's the least amount of capital you, you would say is required to get, get into the business? Depends how hungry you are, right? How, how much capital did I start my business with, if you really think about it? So I started my company with $1,500. Mm-hmm. Now, I was hungry. <laughs> right. So I, I had $1,500 of my, my own. I borrowed another, uh, actually, no, I, I, that $1,500 I borrowed. I, I got three grand from the commission when I, when I wound up selling that house. Mm-hmm. And I used that as the nest egg to, to start my, my business. Uh, the furniture, I got it all from Craigslist Free. <laughs> That's how I furnished my first couple of units. Uh, this free and so it, it depends how creative you are because I think it, if you're creative enough, I bet you to find a landlord that will let you move in with just the first payment. Or let's say it's fifteen hundred dollars, and then the cost of furniture, whatever that becomes. Now, if you want to do something really nice, like where I'm at right now, this is one of my Airbnbs. It's uh, you know this this type of setup is a little bit more expensive, obviously. You know stuff like this. Uh, but this is a luxury community on the water. So the, the expectations are going to be high on something like this. So uh, this costs like 5000 to furnish, five to 6000 That's what we, we end up spending on a higher-end two-bedroom apartment. Okay. So do you recommend um, two bedrooms, one bedrooms, or 
Again, it just depends on where you're starting. What's out there, you know? Like, if you're in a community that has a lot of townhouses, you know, and that's what's available in that market, that's what you want to try to concentrate on. I do think two bedrooms perform better than one bedrooms uh, overall. Uh, And houses, if it's a house, it it should be three bedrooms or more for it to perform well. Uh, If you have a a bigger house, you you know you add more beds. You're you're, you're accommodating bigger groups where everybody ships in, and that just makes uh, makes the place more appealing for the broader audience. Mm, okay, okay. Um, now, what do you suggest like for someone starting? Because I know with Airbnb, um, you know, and and, and tell because I know I mean. Obviously, you got the system all put together. Now, I know, especially in Miami, they're asking people to register your business and sign up for the tourism taxes and all of that. Um, is that something that you, you, you know, you would tell people to do, or do you think people could actually get past it without? It's fairly easy. Look, Miami. I'll tell you something. There's certain areas. It, that it's just not allowed anymore. I, trust me, I've been one of the guys that if you do some research, you'll see I, I fought the city of Miami because they wanted to shut this business down completely in the city of Miami. Mm-hmm. Back when I first started, like my first uh, six months in, I was, because uh, Airbnb back then, they were like breaking into these communities like Miami and all these, and there was pushback and they since the host community was small, they would send like people from corporate and we'll, we'll go to city hall and we'll do all this other stuff. And we wound up on the news and all that stuff. So uh, um, in the city of Miami, I mean, just certain places you really don't need to do anything. Uh, the, the license really, there is no license in the city of Miami. I don't know if you knew that. And the license is actually a state license. And I was the first person to ever get that state license in, in, in Florida. For the city of Miami, and it was like a, a trial, and you can still get it. It's it's called the transient rental license, mm-hmm. uh, and, but the city of Miami now has come up with with a way to fight that because uh, there's certain areas that they it's part of Miami 21, the new agenda, uh, where if it's not in the in the economic density zone. Uh, it's just not zoned. It's, they're thinking it's commercial activity, but there's still work workarounds because if you live in that house, you could still do it uh, without it being a problem. But if you have multiple homes, then then that's where it becomes a problem. In certain parts that are, uh, if you're in the county, you're it's it, it's completely fine. But certain places that are in the city of Miami proper, uh, a lot of places in Little Haiti actually are what are problematic right now. Okay. But if you're like on Northeast Second Avenue, that's it, it's already economic density. So it's just you have to look at the map. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Um, now let me ask you this: You posted um, something showing like damn near 1.6 plus, I'm sure, of um, earnings. How many units, you know, would you take to reach that level of earning? And you know, believe it or not, that's that that was one of my worst years. Wow. So because that was post-pandemic income. Um and that's on a 30 unit uh, portfolio, mm. uh, 30, 36 unit portfolio, uh 1.8, I think is what it was. Um Pre-pandemic, I mean, we had many uh, $3.5, $4 million years. Uh, and the, now it's getting there again. So it's, it's a great time to be in the business. Hmm. Okay. Um, now, mindset. Let's talk about just entrepreneurship in itself. Um, how do you feel about mindset and what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Because it, it is tough you know, obviously. Well, the, the mindset is actually a really important uh, piece of this because trust me, uh, we've had a lot of setbacks in this business. And I, I okay. couldn't be, 
I could have given up uh, many years ago. I could have given up, look, when the cities, when we first started this business, the city said they were going to come after anybody who was doing this business in the city of Miami. And guess what happened? Most of the hosts stopped doing it. <laughs> and what it actually wound up doing is making my business better. And because I, I because there was, imagine there was little competition and then there was really little competition. Right. So, so, so uh, it's, it, I could have quit. I could have been scared, but I was willing to like put myself out there and go to the meetings, go to city hall and fight for my business that I, that I thought was going to be a viable thing where I could make money in the future, a good amount of money. Uh, that's the other thing is like, uh, being an entrepreneur is not about instant gratification. You know, uh, once you once you're in something like this, you have to be in it for the long haul. But you also have to be able to evolve. Like my business has evolved many times, and it's evolving again now because, like, I'm talking to you about purchasing real estate and the benefits of that. Four years ago, I would have told you that was madness. Don't do it. But right. <laughs> but now uh, I'm telling you, as as my mind has changed and as my goals have changed, that buying some of that real estate is probably a really good idea, especially if you're thinking about maybe retiring at some point in the day and you with some kind of portfolio, that's, that's probably the wisest idea. If you have like, like now use that, that income stream to start buying assets. And in 10 years, you have uh, $30 million in assets that you can liquidate and, uh, and you know, take, take some time off. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to get there, Laz. I'm trying to get there. But Laz, real quick, could we take a two-minute break because this thing is ready to cut me off because it only gave me 40 minutes? I only have a few more questions for you. I sent you another link, um, if you could use that link so we could continue. Okay. Okay. So uh, let me end this, and we'll jump on the, the next one. All right. Very good. Thank you. We're back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Like I said, I know uh, you're a busy man and uh, the people need this information, though, and I'm trying to deliver it. So I appreciate your time, man. Just a few more questions and um, I'll let you go. Um, now, going back to uh, mindset, because, um, you know, in a lot of some, some, some of these questions are things that I deal with also. Like when things are going bad, how do you mentally cope? Like just in general how do you push through well i i always focus on the goal like uh you have to have some something you're shooting for like some new ambitions <laughs> something if there's not if you don't have a why you're never gonna make it right uh so my goal my first goal was just to live for free then my second goal was uh to be able to make a good income and then after a while, I wanted to grow a business, and now I want to grow a business that creates uh, longer-term wealth in the future. So, if you make yourself like some kind of like roadmap of what you want to achieve, and, and, and this isn't like you can't have some like random like uh, not non-specific goal. Like, how much do you want to make? Like, write it out. Like, what? Like, that's what I did. Like. I, how did that guy make a million dollars? And I thought about it, like that guy in New York, how much, he, like they said he was making like a million dollars a year. And I did the math and back then, like I, I figured it would take around 18 properties. So that was my first goal. How do I get to 18 properties? Cause I said, I'll make a million dollars. I know I will, <laughs> cause he did it. And there's very little competition. Anything I put up makes money. So let, let's figure it out. Uh, so your goal has to be specific. Like, uh, if you if you if you really want to make some money in, in a business or any business, it, like what what do you want to do with uh, <laughs> with, with your with your goals? Uh, my goal was to to have this business and uh, make some money, and it's like that other guy. So I figured out how to get twenty properties. <laughs> Absolutely okay. Um, and uh, going going back a little, um, how much? Does a, a a typical, I would say the typical, because, you know, we're talking about numbers of properties to get to a certain point. What does a typical uh, unit bring in uh, monthly or what should you expect? Or 
how should you how should you calculate in terms of rent, uh, what you're paying for expenses and all of that in terms of what you're going to profit at the end of the month to kind of get those goals together to me. That's a really good one. That is a that is the question of the century, <laughs> right? Okay. So, ideally, you want to make at least one and a half times the rent in, in, in on those properties. But mm -hmm. uh, like when when you like really like look back and think about it, like your bare minimum profit per door should be about a thousand dollars a month. Okay. Per door profit. Uh, but when it's like when you're in a good part of the season, you that's when you you could do. And I, I've like right now I'm experiencing it again because the season's kicked up pretty well. Uh, where most properties are making, like I said, in profit one and a half times the rent. So, okay. uh, but you're not gonna make that year round, so you have to kind of uh, uh, see the seasonality behind it. And that's where I always came up with. A, a property works is even in the low season, I could make about a thousand dollars on on that unit after my expenses. So what 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 typically um, are the slow slow months in Airbnb? It it's all going to depend where you are. If you're in South Florida, like me, and you are, mm -hmm. uh, August and September are going to be your worst two months. Okay. Uh, just, just the way it is. It's a historical trend. It, it happens every year. So, uh, so July will be our strongest, uh, and that's the, the end of the, the season is what we call it. So the 4th of July weekend is where we have the last kickoff of tourists, and then it'll start winding down. August kind of dies down, and then September is completely dead. And that's a month that you could actually take a loss on some of your units because uh, there's not much business. Uh, once you hit about November, things really kick off and then the the festival season starts. So you start seeing the the events like Art Basel and stuff start, start rolling in and that rolls all the way again to July. <laughs> so. Okay. So yeah, you, you just have to be able to sustain for about two months, which isn't bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 like once I figured that out every year, I would like, you know, I would put together a little bit of funds because mm -hmm. I knew it, it was going to be rough. And, there, and as your operation gets bigger, that gets harder because now you you know some months you're paying a quarter million or three hundred thousand dollars in rents, and you know you could wind up with a hundred or two hundred thousand dollar deficit if if things get really like crazy uh, one month. So we always thought about that. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's that's part of scaling. Um, the way I look at it, if you're able to do that, yeah, you don't want to and it hurts, but you're able. And um, obviously, you know, you're going to recoup that, but I just want to be able, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, get, get, getting there is, is, is half the battle. Um, and it, it's, it's just every section of the country is going to have some kind of seasonality like that, that people come in droves and then it, it slows down for a month or two. And every market has its own season. And right. our season, that, that's what it is. And we have, a because our weather is so great, we have a really long season because we really have 10 months where it's good. And you only have two months where it's bad. Some places only have like four or five months. And, but they cram that same number of income into those six months is what winds up happening. Like places like Aspen and places like that where they have a ski season. So, and, you know, their rates are like 2000 a night where here we don't get those type of rates. So they cram that same level of income into six months and we cram it into 10 months. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. So, uh, Let's talk money. Okay. So, um, being successful comes with perks. So, you know, we talked about the upbringing. We talked about the business. Now let's talk about the perks of your level of success. Now, I, I know you do Turo too, right? 
I do. I, I've kind of scaled back my tour business. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I'm more of an Airbnb guy, I do still have a few cars on Turo uh, where it allows me to have them for free. Uh, but I've scaled back the Turo enterprise quite a bit. Excuse me one moment because this no is problem. the guy make my help. Hello. Good morning. Hi. You, you need to take it upstairs or else it's took, or else it's three hundred dollars if you don't you you leave it inside the room you leave it inside the room sir what you need to do is you leave the control in in the in the room and call so we can let you out yeah yeah yes yeah, sir bye so active they have to operate (laughs) okay yeah and and that's live exclusive on the garage billionaire where we bring you the real people that's really doing the business so that's right there (laughs) yeah there's people that will say that they're doing it but they're not or whatever but we were talking about Turo so Mm -hmm. uh, I I wound up getting a fairly large Turo fleet of like 23 cars and you know it, it, it was it was it was fun and it was substantial but like my bread and butter business is Airbnb. So uh, again, like uh, I've learned over years of doing business that you don't want to dilute what you're doing. Like uh, uh, I'm good at Airbnb. Maybe some people are really good at Turo. And uh, I think for me, Turo, I could do it a couple cars to have a couple of really nice free cars. And it was a good, it was good because I wound up uh, improving my credit by buying all those cars and, paying them all off so i've paid off 20 cars in wow eight months or something wow. <laughs> so amazing wow okay um now okay since we're talking about cars and part of um you know the perks what are your personal cars that you enjoy driving what's your favorite well my my daily is usually my my g-wagon i have a new g-wagon uh, I that, love those that, trucks, man. That's, I you know, it's a safe truck. I also have uh, a GT AMG, which is another like good fun car from Mercedes. Uh, I just bought another Corvette last week. Uh, you know, I bought a twenty two Corvette. I have a Porsche uh, Boxster convertible. Uh, I had a Ferrari, but I sold it because, like, uh, the market, like, like, like the real estate market is is great. And so is the car market. Like I, I was able to flip, I bought a Ferrari and I flipped it and made 50 grand almost on it. Wow. So, so I was able to drive it for some period of time. I think a few months, I rented it a couple of times and I decided that the car was just far too nice to just be renting out. So I, uh, I, I found a buyer that wanted it more than me and he was willing to pay. I have to let this guy out. Hello, you're at the gate. All right, I'll open up the gate for you. Babs, can you let that guy out of the gate? <laughs> no problem, no problem. One of our checkouts. <laughs> okay. Um, and you do a lot of the business your, your, yourself, it looks like. Well, we're a family business. It's me, my wife, my son. We work together. So she's handling our housekeeping operation. I handle acquisitions, and my son handles customer service. That's sweet. We divide the the, the workflow between all of us, and we all still handle some of the in, internal work on the computer. Okay. You know, I, I handle a lot of the acquisitions, and... Uh, and the direction that the company is going. <laughs> so, and everybody else uh, figures it out once, once, we, <laughs> once we decide that we're going to go that route. Um, but okay. it, it's, a, it's a fun business, especially if you, know, if you have a family and uh, like we work as a team. Sometimes we, we fight because we, we're working together too much. But uh, it's still fun. 
mean, yeah, I mean, you know, you're gonna fight anyways. Might as well be making money <laughs> while while you're doing it, you know. Um, so let me ask you this: What is your, you know, I could appreciate a nice timepiece. What is one of the nicest watches you've purchased? I have a couple of Rolexes. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of Rolexes. Uh, you know, those, and that's another thing. I, don't, I, I think Rolexes are meant to be flipped. Please, hey, open the gates for that guy. He's stuck. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, I, I'm going to get out of here in a second. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, you know, Rolex is a good watch, and if you could get one, buy it. I mean, you, you could use it for a few months or a year and make a couple grand on it, and buy another one. <laughs> That's kind of what what I like to do. Right, right. Now, uh, your favorite vacation spot? Well, my favorite vacation spot. That's a, that's a tough one. I haven't been taking too many vacations. Uh-huh. Uh, but if I had to guess, I mean, I had a really good vacation in Arizona once. I like that. Uh, and, you know, that's, that was probably my favorite. We, oh, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. That was another place that we really had. A, I would love to get some, some Airbnbs there for myself, too. Okay. It's, 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 it's a nice area. Just, the real estate is pretty, and people pay a lot of money. So if you're looking to invest internationally, buy a little Carmen if you could get in. That's a good market. Mm. What do you think about Punta Cana, like Dominican Republic? Because I noticed that they're doing a lot of advertising. Well, I'm sure I'm sure it's it's pretty good. You know, any any of those type of destination locations, uh, if you get the right kind of deal, uh, you can make money. I know I have a friend that he he's Dominican. He was one of my first mentees. He's 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 looking to start doing some stuff over there now, too. Mm, okay. All right. So, again, I appreciate your time, uh, Laz. Um, let's let's start wrapping it up. Um, but I, I definitely want to talk about or have you give the information about your, uh, your course and mentorship. Now, that's two different things, right? Um, yeah. The course and the mentorship are two separate things. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, the course is a video course and the the mentorship is one-on-one. The mentorship is one-on-one at 60 days. I go over everything with you. Plus it, it lets you in on like the deals with me, which is what, uh, what, what a lot of the people want to do is like, uh, they don't know where to go. And all of a sudden I, I do like a big lease and I wind up, letting them in on, on some of the transactions with me. So in this building, I partnered with a couple students and another building nearby, we did the same thing. And it, they get to, you know, first of all, experience like setting something up like this uh, side by side with me, which is a good part of the mentorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the course uh, gives you all that, but in a video form. And, you, you, you know, and also a lot of people who get the course end up getting the mentorship later because they, they want to get some of that one-on-one experience. Right. And what's the cost of the course? The course is $299. And it's it's an eight-hour course that gives you all the information you're ever going to want to know about how to start this business and how you know to speak to landlords and everything else. Uh, the mentorship is really one-on-one, uh, 60 days with me. We do You can meet in person once a week. And we also do a weekly or bi-weekly uh, Zoom meeting with the entire group. Plus, the other thing is you get uh, to be part of the med- like the mentee community that I have. They're all like on my Telegram and my Facebook group. So everybody kind of works together. So it's like everybody, you know, there's mentees already have 20 units and there's some that have none or two. And everybody's kind of like, oh, this is what I did. This will work for me. And everybody kind of helps each other out. Uh, which which makes it great because uh, it, you know you um, it's easier when you're not completely on your own like I was right. when I did this. Uh, here you'd be like, hey, what worked for you? Like, where did you buy this? <laughs> you know, and you have thirty other people and say, well, I here in New York, I bought it here. Here in Texas, I bought it here. And it it, it really is a good community for everybody. Okay, and the mentorship. How does someone get into that, and what's the cost? The mentorship is pretty simple to get in. All you have to do is DM me at Brickle Cigars on Instagram, 
and tell me you want to join mentorship. Uh, if I have availability, because uh, obviously you have limited room for, for stuff like that, because uh, I can't just take everybody. It's right. $3,000. And that gives you 60 days. You could do one-on-ones with me on the phone in a, or in person. If like, you know, some people, if you're like my, I have a student that he's in Moldova, which is uh, somewhere in Eastern Europe. He can't meet here in person. So we do it over the phone. Okay. Okay. Well, um, thanks for that information. And can you tell people where they could find you on social media? And on social media, you find me at Brickle Cigars. At Brickle Cigars. Once again, thank you, Laz, for taking your time out to speaking uh, with me here on the Garage Billionaire podcast. And um, I will definitely be in contact with you because I'm actually in the process of, um, you know, doing this Airbnb thing. And, um, you know, uh, I, I would like some guidance. So I will definitely uh, see what, you know, some of your uh, programs have to offer. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get some units, man. All right. Well, some units. Right. All right. You have a great day, sir. See you. Right. Thank you.